documented 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. As Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Today on the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast, I'd like to just throw around some ideas about the upcoming disclosure event that everybody is anticipating or hoping for. This is the um, UAP Task Force report um, due out somewhere on the 24th or 25th of this month. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the reasons that stuff may be released or may not be released. A number of years ago, probably 15 years ago, I wrote a an article called The 64 Reasons the Government Has Decided Not to Tell You the Truth. And I'd like to sort of play off that today and go through a couple of things that from that article that might apply to what may happen or may not happen on the 24th or 25th. First of all, uh, to keep in mind, this is just my belief. Um, as the um, Chandler Sess said, you organize your mental world in such a way that attracts to yourself events that will again confirm your beliefs. So um, this is just my simply my belief based upon uh, the experience I've had working in this field. I have written four books on the subject of disclosure. I first wrote about it in 1989, published a book in 1990. Uh, I did a fifth book called Beyond Managing Magic, which was finished, but I didn't release. But I may now release it with the events that are taking place, just update it. And so I have some background in this whole disclosure thing, and I have said that this disclosure um, effort has been going on for a long time. And I believe now that rather than the government making the disclosure, I believe it's people in the government that are sympathetic to the issue that are pushing this um, this out. Now, a lot of the upcoming disclosure event is going to be based upon fear. Um, I mentioned before that um, I believe this all goes back to John Podesta, and John Podesta did help Leslie Kane file an FOIA on the Kecksburg crash during the Obama administration, uh, a lawsuit to try to force documents out, and at that time, if you read Leslie Kane's book that John Podesta did the forward to, you will see that she talks about um, UFOs should be studied because they may be a threat to airline traffic. Now, that didn't go anywhere, I guess, and now it's been ratcheted up in order to get this thing out. Uh, we've got to increase the threat narrative. So we talk about China... The, and Russia threats. Before it was um, David Frum, the Canadian speechwriter who wrote for Bush, wrote the famous speech, The Access of Evil, where it was Iran, Iraq, and North Korea. And now we've gone back to China and Russia as the threats. Uh, but we talk about this threat, and uh, I'm just about to do an interview. I did one interview with Xiao Ma, uh, who is a Chinese um, national who now lives in um, Australia about the situation of UFOs in China, and she has set up an interview. Uh, it's coming up in a couple of days with an actual um, researcher inside China, a major researcher who's done a lot of work and um, is going to talk to us about the state of uh, UFOs and the spiritual development inside China. And I can pretty well guarantee you uh, the Chinese see it pretty much the same way that we in the West see it, is they're saying, 
We hope it's not the Russians or the Americans, because if they get the, this technology, we're in a lot of trouble. So um, we were talking about the threats. So we talk about uh, China and Russia and potential threats and um, incursions into airspace and um, objects that are able to block our ability to drop nuclear bombs on innocent civilians. And we've sort of pitched this thing as a threat. And the whole idea behind that, and I think a number of people have discussed this, is that unless you scout 11 daylights out of Congress and uh, make this look like a major issue, uh, you're not going to get any money. It's basically um, a pitch to get research for UFOs or whatever it is. Uh, but if there's no threat, then the Intelligence and Armed Services Committee will basically say, uh, get lost. What, what are you bothering us for? There's, there's nothing here to, to really look at or worry about. And as I pointed out before, the idea of the threat is um, being played because uh, people will talk about, oh, we need to know what UFOs are about and, and are we alone in the universe and all this kind of stuff. And that comes back to the whole idea that if that were the ultimate aim of all this kind of stuff, uh, we should be briefing also the Science and Technology uh, Committee in uh, the Senate and also the Outer Space Committee. Neither of those are being um, briefed or pushed. Uh, we're going basically after armed services and intelligence, which is military. And so that is the main uh, threat, and that is um, the kind of scary thing that we've been dealing with uh, for a long time is this may just go black in, back into the black world. And uh, even if you look at now, we say, okay, what have the, um, the Senate been briefed on? And the answer will be, we can't tell you. So basically, we know nothing more than we did before this briefing stuff started. And it, it's going to be classification, we can't tell you. It's national security. Uh, you don't have the right to know, all this kind of stuff. All we know now is that there is a program that was inside the American government working on this, and we know that um, the Senate has been briefed, but beyond that, we really don't know anything. The same as I know that um, Lou Alexander was talking to people in, um, in, in Canada, in the government. You don't know anything about that either. This is all being done behind the scenes, and if it was up in the open, well, then it would be great, and hopefully it does get in the open. But at this present time, it's all still as secret as it was before. I think it's important when we talk about this upcoming um, uh, disclosure effort that we um, realize where this, this actually began. And I will maintain, history will record that this all began with John Podesta back in, um, well, actually starting back in the Clinton days and then trying to get Obama to disclose. And then him um, being uh, brought into the To The Stars Academy and making a deal with Hillary Clinton to move this thing out into the open, I maintain that is where it actually began. And if you look at the actual details of how the story broke, you see um, people always have this idea that the New York Times broke the story or that Tom DeLong went and recruited all these people. It's exactly the opposite. It's people inside the government who, who are, are reaching out and um, making these contacts. Tom DeLong did not recruit any of the people in his in his organization they were all given to him. They were all uh, handed to him for uh, a mission that he was to do, f uh, that he believed in. If you look at the Leslie Kane story with the uh, New York Times, and I always point out, it was not just the New York Times, it was the Washington Post and Politico. And if it took the New York Times three months to do the story, you can bet the Washington Post and Politico were working on it for a long time before. They all went the same day. The story is that Leslie Kane got a phone call. We don't know where the phone call came from. She got a phone call to go from New York to Washington. She flew to uh, Washington. And um, you can see that you had people, I believe, people inside the government who wanted to push this thing out that, that um, were sympathetic to the UFO issue. And for whatever reason, they wanted this uh, public. They wanted funding for this. And so you have this line that Tom DeLong was given when he went to Washington. He was sent by Lockheed Skunk Works to meet these two intelligence people in Washington at Pentagon and at Pentagon City, and that's where the Leslie Kane meeting took place in that part of Washington as well. And you see these two guys make this very important statement. They say to Tom DeLong, "Things like this do not happen in the White House. They do not happen on the Hill. They happen when men behind these tables, like we." decide to take the football and move it down the field. So this is an initiative where you have people sympathetic to the issue 
who are trying to force it out from inside the government. The government is not cohesive. The government is not one thinking thing. It's a bunch of people who are interacting against each other, pushing their agendas. And so I believe the UFO agenda is a number of people sympathetic who are pushing this issue out. Now, if you look at the meeting that Leslie Kane had, and you see that this was basically already set up. In the meeting was Elizondo, and this was October the 4th. This was um, it's supposedly the day he resigned. Uh, uh, Christopher Mellon was in the meeting, so it was Hal Putoff, and so was Jimmy Semivan from what the reports I got. That is basically to the stars. Uh, meeting with Lou Elizondo on the day he retired, or just before he retired, and you basically have... Um, a situation where uh, I think Leslie Kane is quoted as saying they basically laid it out for us. There was a two-hour meeting. Uh, they were showing Elizondo's resignation letter, stuff from uh, Senator Reid, um, all sorts of material, the briefing um, that was given to the Senate, the, the slides that were used, the PowerPoint slides. It was all basically laid out for the New York Times. So it wasn't the New York Times broke the story. All they had to do was check all this material that they had been basically been given. So this was an inside move out. And the, the funny thing about that was that um, we had Christopher Mellon in the, um, in the meeting. Uh, I was on Coast to Coast with, with uh, Chris Mellon in 2016. I was promoting my book, uh, UFOs, Area 51, and Government Informants. I was on the first two hours. Mellon was in the third hour. And that book that I wrote was about this disclosure, that there was, there's stuff that's being leaked out. And I remember George Knapp asking Christopher Mellon, well, what do you think about what Grant was saying? And he said, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, if, if, if the government had a UFO program, if this kind of stuff was going on, I would have known about it. So in 2016, Christopher Mellon was just as much in the dark as everybody else. And people always forget that Christopher Mellon hadn't worked inside the government since 2004. And suddenly in 2017, he's in a meeting with all these people helping to brief the New York Times to break this story. So you have this inside of guys who are very interested, want the story out, uh, that helped the New York Times uh, move this story. It is not a story, I believe, that the New York Times went out and discovered. They were handed the story. Now, one of the things I have the problem with, um, I mentioned one already, was this idea of China, that we are now demonizing China and Russia and saying it better not be them, and nobody has even bothered to talk to China. I mean, we are doing the second interview. We're, uh, we've had a number of interviews set up to at least talk to these people and find out what's their position on this, and I'll guarantee you it's exactly the same position where it's innocent civilians who are just as curious as you and I and who are trying to figure this out, and their government's trying to figure it out, and it's way beyond politics. So um, I'm, I'm kind of upset about that. The other thing, and so we're going to do these meetings. We're going to take our move, and we're going to uh, interview people from Asia, from um, Japan, from mainland China, and we're going to find out what is the experience on that side of the world rather than pitting one nation against another. The other thing that we're going to do is we're going to have an event on uh, June the 25th because this present uh, disclosure initiative is completely cut out, cutting out the experiencers again. If you hear Senator Reid says we don't want to hear about little green men, if you see the New York Times, we're not talking about aliens, uh, we should be talking about aliens, we don't know, and uh, all we want to do is talk about threat and China and Russia and nuclear weapons and being in our airspace and what is this, and is it a potential uh, threat to the United States of America? We um, have completely left out the experiencers, who are the ones that are inter interacting with the phenomenon. I can say that you can have all the films you want of UFOs over nuclear missiles or over uh, the Nimitz or any other carrier group. Uh, you're not going to discover what's actually going on until you deal with the intelligence band, the phenomena. And the experiencers are dealing, and once again, they've been ostracized and ignored. And I intend to try to give them a voice on the 25th. So you're going to see the government put out their side of the story about fear and threat and um, the fact that we need this technology. Um, and I'm going to put out the other side of the story is talk the experiencers to give the story of what the other side, what is the intelligence telling us? What is their message? What is their disclosure message? So we're going to do that on June the 25th. Now, the reason I, I did the 64 reasons is um, I had done the president's and I had always been very curious about the fact that um, 
Gerald Ford had been under great pressure when he was a congressman in Michigan to um, do disclosure on UFOs because that was where the swamp gas incidents occurred in, I think it was 1965. And he was very adamant. If you go to the Carter, the Ford Library, you'll see piles and piles of documents where he was adamant where we should have a congressional investigation. We should get the military people, put them under oath, and force them to testify about what is going on. And yet, when he got into the White House, the day he walked in there till the day he left the White House, he never used the word UFO ever. He never talked about it. The same happened to Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter talked about to the National Enquirer how he was going to release all the UFO files for the public other than the military uh, intelligence type material for weapons. And um, once he got into the White House, he never used the word UFO. He never talked about it. He talked about it before he got in the White House, talked about it after he left the White House, but when he was president, he never used the word. And so my idea was always, how did they convince these two guys going into the White House to suddenly shut up about this? And what I realized is, if you look at the backstory to this thing, there have been 15 presidents who have had to be able to deal with the intelligence behind the phenomena, starting with Roosevelt. I think there's been eight Democratic administrations, seven Republican administrations, and they've all done exactly the same thing. So the 64 reasons was to look at how did they convince these presidents all to go along with the agenda of keeping this thing covered up? What is it that they tell the president that convinces all presidents to play the game exactly the same way? Another thing I want to mention here is that uh, we're talking about secrecy from the government, but the secrecy inside the UFO community is just as bad, maybe worse. Uh, I wrote a lot. I think I was the original person to put the Avery list, a uh, list of high-level military intelligence government people uh, who were interacting and talking to each other. Uh, all had security clearances, and they were called the Avery, and it was Bill Moore giving them these bird names. But there was about 24 of these people. And they knew a lot of stuff that um, has never been made public. These are high-level guys, and they will keep secret for a number of maybe justifiable reasons. And one of the reasons is if you were in a high-level intelligence position and you learn something, you work on the program, if you release that material of what you know, nobody will ever talk to you again. Everybody's trying to get the next piece of the puzzle, and the only way you're going to get it is to keep quiet and keep gathering. The minute you make public what you've got, um, you may make a splash for a couple of seconds, but nobody trusts you anymore and nobody at a higher levels will tell you anything. So you have this uh, secrecy inside the UFO community where um, a lot of people have a lot of information. And the other thing that is involved in this that people often forget is the fact that a lot of the people who, if you look at the people who are on the leading edge of this thing, they all have patents. And uh, if you're looking at UFO technology, which is what we're trying to push here on, on the June the 25th, we need this technology. How does it work? Um, you, you get people like Elizondo who have uh, patents. And the question is, if you're on the inside and you're on the leading edge and you're trying to figure this thing out, are you going to put forward what you have before you file a patent? So everybody knows and I know of some people who have made huge, huge money from uh, material related to UFOs. So there is some money involved in this. It's not just uh, security, it's not just intelligence and stuff like that. It's got to do with um, uh, technology, uh, which a lot of people will keep secret because um, they want to make some money out of it themselves. Now, the last thing I want to mention before we get to the, the actual reasons is um, there was just, um, I just did an interview with a researcher from Wells who talked about an encounter with Hal Putoff who said he didn't believe there was any chance anything good would be um, released in this upcoming report. And Hal would be one of the guys who knows probably as much as anybody about what's actually going on sort of in the black world. Uh, and he said anything good will be in the, I think in the annex or deeper. So it's the idea that uh, a lot of people have put out that um, you may get a report that um, we're not alone. I think it may go back to um, the whole idea of what I put out in the Johnson study where um, the conclusion uh, that I read the entire thing in a, in a previous podcast, uh, Johnson had an eyes-only study that was requested. They had um, eight people work for nine months. These are the highest level people, head of Lockheed Skunk Works, four-star general, head of uh, the NRO, the top CIA uh, UFO guy, and they came to the conclusion exactly what you're hearing now. Yes, UFOs are for real. Uh, we really don't understand very much, and as to the thing about the extraterrestrial, 
we're really not too sure where these beings are from. You can have bodies, you can have craft, and unless they got passports from Zeta Reticuli, uh, you aren't really 100% sure where this is coming from. And at the end of this, I will talk about some of the ideas of, uh, that have been proposed by a lot of different people, high-level people. You hear them indirectly talking about this, that this may not be as ET as uh, people think. Now, as to some of the reasons uh, of why some of the stuff may not be released that people are expecting, and um, I think we have to empathize and, with the people in these positions, uh, because as I said, you've had all these administrations, you've had all these uh, secretaries of defense, and um, all these head of CIA and people, and everybody has played the game, which indicates uh, there may be something that we don't know about that justifies um, the fact that they are keeping this secret. But here are some of the ideas. Uh, we're, we're trying to do this secular technology thing uh, where, where there's a New York Times or Reed uh, or Armed Services, uh, everybody's saying we're not going to talk about aliens, we don't want to know about um, uh, what these beings are or, or what their message, particularly what their message is. We're, we're just after this technology. It's a, it's a scramble. Uh, it looks like it has potential for um, maybe being more efficient at killing our enemies or whatever they're looking at. And so it's, it's basically a technology race. It's really got nothing to do with that. And that's why the experiences have been cut out. Nobody will talk to them. They are not involved. They are not being talked to by anybody. Uh, they are basically in the closet where they've always been. Now, the other thing I mentioned, I mentioned earlier is the government is not unified. People think that because you're in the government, you, everybody's working together. Absolutely the farthest thing from the truth. Uh, I worked in the government through the university, which is funded by the government here. And I know it's a battle between people for budgets. It's a battle of ideas. Um, you take a look at the government itself. You can't get a single vote in uh, Congress or uh, that's not done on party lines. Everybody's dig dug into their corners. The idea that everybody's going to work together to do the right thing is total nonsense. The government is not unified, and that's why I say the disclosure to me would make most sense that it's people inside the government who have decided they are going to push this issue out. They are going to get it out there, and you have people like the Collins elite that have been talked about by Lou Elizondo and a bunch of other people uh, who are going to try to stop it, that these people believe whatever their, their belief is, that it's the devil or whatever. There's all sorts of reasons why people want this controlled or we want this military technology. We don't want you releasing it until we, we have the technology. So you'll have people in the government who are forcing this thing out and you have groups inside the government who are trying to stop it. And that is what this intelligence um, inspector general report is all about, is that you see that Lou Elizondo um, went rogue and they tried to shut him down. They tried to destroy him. So you can see that there are people inside the government who are not uh, in favor of this. And it's this battle between the people who want it out and the, the battle between the people, for whatever reason, who don't want it out. The other thing that you have to remember when we talk about disclosure is that the government is naturally secretive. Um, I can refer back to General Landry um, talking in an oral interview at the Truman Library where he talks about being brought in in February 1948. So this is only a year after the modern age of UF ufology begins. And he's told he's going to be the air advisor to President Truman. And that Truman wants him to give him a briefing every three months to go to the CIA, gather the material on UFOs, and give him an oral briefing every three months. So already in 1948, they knew, do not put this on paper. Uh, so it was already secretive. The policy was set up. And in the government, once you have a policy set up, usually it doesn't really change too much. And I've already mentioned before that the Johnson administration had an eyes-only study that we recovered the uh, manuscript from the guy who was running the program. He was going to write a manuscript about what happened. And you see at the very end, uh, this eyes-only study was presented to President Johnson, and he did absolutely nothing. If it had not been for the daughter of um, the, the guy who wrote the report, uh, saving the documents and then showing them to a girl who showed them to me, uh, nobody would know that Johnson did a, a, a nine-month study on UFOs at the highest level to try to figure out what was going on because all the material was destroyed. Government is naturally secretive. Um, the other, one of the problems that somebody had brought up, which, which makes sense, is that um, if the military really doesn't know what's going on, if they have no control over it, uh, they cannot advise the president. So the president will have to make the decision, but the military will uh, work against it if they 
cannot advise the president. They don't really know what to advise the president to do. They don't want to stick themselves in that position. Um, one, one of the other things is this complexity, which I'll talk about at the end, which is when you get into the experiencers' stories, you see that this thing is way more complex than people think it is. Hal Putoff, actually, it was a conference uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Hal Putoff was um, interacting with people, and what he had mentioned was what I've always mentioned is you have these stories about um, the ship, uh, the UFO, being 30 feet on the outside, and then when the person goes inside, like Terry Lovelace, the thing's the size of a football stadium inside. That kind of material, uh, it, it, there's no way they have any idea how this thing's going on. And Chris Bledsoe had that experience, uh, Ron Johnson had that experience, and Hal points this out as being very important, like this mystery, this anomaly of ships being way bigger on the inside than outside. And that shows us that... Um, if it's that far advanced from what we we um, think, then uh, you're naturally going to be secretive. People think it's just simply ETs coming in in spacecraft, and that's all they have to reveal to us. It's, it's no big secret. Uh, I can almost guarantee you it's not going to be that at all. It's going to be, uh, I used to say 1,000, I would say 10, 100,000 times more complex. The more you look at it, the more complex this thing actually gets. And the other thing that I've talked about, which will show that um, um, it's something that the government would want to keep quiet is this idea that I've got 50 people who claim to me they've flown the ship and everybody tells the same story, you use your mind, which gets into the whole consciousness thing that when Tom DeLong was at Lockheed Skunk Works, he asked the head scientist, uh, or the head scientist asked him, how does this thing work? How did it get here? How does the propulsion system work? And because he'd been hanging around with Stephen Greer, he said, I believe consciousness is involved. And the head scientist said, now you're talking. And that's all he wanted to talk about for 45 minutes was consciousness. The consciousness aspect of this phenomena is way beyond any little thing about uh, interfering with our airspace. It basically goes to the nature of reality, that we may be totally clueless on how reality works and what's actually going on and what these in, what this intelligence actually is. Uh, the other thing that um, I mentioned before that we had said about the government doesn't change its rules once it gets it, uh, we had gone after Dr. Eric Walker, the former president of Penn State University, who was the chairman of the board of the Institute for Defense Analysis, the top military think tank in the United States. And we had chased him around for eight years, and he was the co-developer of the homing torpedo, very high-level guy, who knew what was going on. And we were talking to him about, why don't you tell people exactly the debate that's going on now about June the 25th. Why don't you tell people? Why don't you leave this out? And at one point, he got very, very upset. And he said, uh, you just want it because you're curious. Admit that to me. Why should we change the rules to satisfy your curiosity? And that comes to this idea that uh, it's the same thing that when um, Jimmy Carter got the briefing from the outgoing CIA director for the Ford administration, um, as a Bush, George Bush, uh, he asked for the UFO files, and George Bush said, curiosity is not sufficient need to know. If you want those files... For the people, you have to go to the House Science and Technology Committee, which would indicate that we should be briefing the Science and Technology Committee because, according to Bush, that's where the, the files were being held, but we are not. We are just briefing armed services and intelligence, which indicates that uh, this is not about uh, trying to figure out how UFOs work or anything like that. This has got to do with um, going after a defense budget that's $736 billion or whatever it is, where there's a lot of money and you can build an argument of fear in order to get them to hand over money, which hopefully will be used for uh, researching the nature of UFOs. But um, as I said before, it may just go back into the black world and all the people start to try to get their patents and, and it still uh, goes the same road as it did before. It just gets more funding. Uh, the other issue that I've mentioned this in the 64 Reasons is this idea that uh, when you start to talk to the experiencers, you suddenly realize that um, uh, capitalism, the idea of capitalism is not a an issue that they seem to be interested in. Uh, their system, the intelligence, does not seem to be based anything on that kind of uh, worldview, model, uh, whatever. And that's why in the 1950s they went after Adamski, because Adamski was preaching uh, the sort of the structure of the intelligence and how they operated. And he was uh, interpreted to be a Russian spy, that the Russians were trying to put this in to overthrow American capitalism. Uh, and so you have this situation where 
if you're going to have um, uh, people buying into this thing and then suddenly finding out that um, the system they use is completely different, it starts to put um, people to question the system that we have and uh, should we change our system. Theirs is based on a oneness message. Uh, 54% of all experiencers in the um, um, that have been interviewed by the free survey, the Edgar Mitchell free survey, said oneness was a message that they were talking about the beings. That is not a message that the government is going to want to put out. Uh, we're into division. We're into me versus you, competition, this kind of stuff. And we're also into the idea that people um, don't like the UFO thing because it, it seems to imply a one-world government. People want to keep the, wor the, the way the world works right now, 195 countries all fighting with each other, and the United States of America running the whole show. I don't think the United States of America at any point is going to want to go to a uh, a world where all the countries work together and the United States is only one voice of 195. They're, they would remain like to have it remain the way it is right now, where they run the show and the other 195 countries basically do what the United States of America does. The government is not going to be uh, sympathetic to uh, going towards a role of all the all the governments in the world working together. A lot of people, when they when they talk the the sort of this culture of oneness of the of the um, the UFO intelligence, uh, start talking about um, you know they're going to steal our um, um, our independence and stuff like this. And of course, I would absolutely reply to that. I mean, when did the intelligence ever force anybody to do anything? They have never forced anybody to do anything. If you take a look at what the Canadians were told in the 1950s, according to what I was told, they said the only time we will ever interfere with the world is if there's a nuclear exchange. And that's because the nuclear exchange uh, will destroy Gaia, will destroy the Earth, and they are here to protect the Earth because it affects the rest of the universe if we do that. Other than that said the intelligence, we will allow the human race to stew in its own juices. So they really don't care what you do. Uh, in fact, they actually have uh, what's called the screen. 39% uh, of all experiences, according to the survey, when they're on board the ship, are shown the screen. And this is the screen that shows environmental devastation, uh, nuclear war, uh, floods, all this kind of stuff. And they're basically saying, you might want to look at this. They're just giving hints. They're not trying to tell anybody what to do. They say, it's up to you because uh, it's a reincarnation world, and I think they know that. And if you decide you want your independence to uh, kill yourself or do whatever you want to do, uh, you're just going to keep coming back until you uh, get it right. So this is um, one of the things that people bring up. But um, the intelligence is not worried uh, at all about what uh, people do. They will give indir indirect warnings, uh, but people are free to do whatever they want. No alien has ever made anybody do anything. Um, now, um, the other the other main problem, and everybody knows this, and it's being discussed more and more all the time, is this idea of the uh, of the nuclear weapons that. Um, if it becomes known that um, they're shutting down the nukes or that we have tried to launch a nuclear attack and they shut it down or that we had nuclear accidents and they had to clean up the mess or whatever, the, the nukes is a key element of whatever this intelligence is doing. Uh, you can see very clearly they're not, they're not happy about this, this whole thing. And the question would be if that message gets out, and people start to support it, is the United States and Russia and China all going to disassemble their nuclear weapons? Uh, everybody wants the right to uh, drop these nuclear weapons on civilians, and it's in their their strategy of how it works, me versus you, uh, competition, uh, the idea of second strikes that we're going to win if we have to kill 600 million people, this crazy stuff. And um, so the idea that we have to shut our nukes down is not something that if you're uh, in in the American government, you're going to want to do. In fact, in the last administration, uh, a lot of the nuclear weapons were actually increased. Uh, we've, the Open Skies Agreement was canceled first by the United States, and now the Soviets have, have canceled it. So we are moving in the opposite direction, back into the Cold War, building more nuclear weapons. We have the Russians building their, their supposed super uh, nuclear weapon that will be detonated off the coast and create this 100-foot or 1,000-foot wave of radioactive 
water that will wash over near the eastern seaboard and not only kill everybody but contaminate the area for thousands of years. That's where we're moving into, and that is sort of the warning why the, uh, thank goodness, it looks like the, the intelligence is going to be able to shut this, this stuff down. Another reason uh, that, that you're not going to see as much um, openness as is hoped is the, the whole idea about oneness inside the government, that if you listen to the arguments that were made by Hal Putoff or um, uh, Elizondo or all these people, even Tom DeLong talked about it in the early days, was this idea of stovepiping, that the reason that we have not been able to back-engineer the UFO technology is, is all this stovepiping. And this is this oneness message where we have gone into separation. So it's uh, if you have a craft and you give the one piece to Lockheed Skunk Force, you give a piece to uh, 3M, you give a piece to uh, Battelle, uh, nobody's talking to each other. There's no oneness. There's no agreement. There's no interaction. And because everybody's doing their own thing in separation, uh, nobody's discovered anything. And so that was one. Of, that's one of the good things about trying to get this thing into the open. If that does happen, and that's what they're trying to do, is you will actually be able to get a situation where if the material is public, then everybody gets to look at it and you have all the minds of the world working on it as one. Uh, question is, will it come out of the stovepiping or is this just a funding effort to give more money to um, people who are sort of in the black world, sort of in the white world, who are trying to get patents? The Brookings Institute uh, report in the 1960s uh, was, was looking at the implications of the discovery of extraterrestrial life, and they brought up a couple of issues about um, why the government will sort of dig in its heels. Um, they, they talk about so, social repercussions uh, that would depend upon the leadership's interpretation of its own role. So does the government lose its role if this thing, if you suddenly discover there's extraterrestrials uh, and, and the threat to the role of the government, the second thing, and national and personal opportunities to take advantage of the disruption. The idea here is that it's a nationalistic uh, world where, as Stanton Friedman says, nationalism is, national, uh, nationalism is the only game in town and everybody wants to have my country versus your country and uh, we're going to have this thing where if suddenly, as Ronald Reagan says, the world would unite if faced with a threat from an alien race, the idea of the world would all come together, all the nationalism disappears. And I'm sure that if all the people that are in government in Canada, the United States, Great Britain, Russia, China, they are not going to give up their roles as, as leaders uh, just because there's this move to a world government and only one uh, person. Everybody's going to try. Everybody wants to get reelected. Everybody wants to be in power. Uh, nobody's going to give up their role, so you're not going to see these uh, governments very willing to work with each other on this issue. Uh, everybody is, wants to still do the nationalism thing and uh, the separation thing. Um, the Brookings Institute report even talked about this. The knowledge that life existed on other parts of the universe might lead to a greater unity of men on Earth based on the oneness of man on the age-old assumption that any stranger is threatening. That is one of the big things I think they'd be afraid of, is this idea that nationalism disappears and everybody works towards a, a oneness world, uh, which a lot of countries uh, are, are not going to be going for. Again, the oneness message is the key message, I believe, that the, the beings are trying to put across. And this comes from, uh, like, for example, Bashar, the alien channeler, uh, the one are the all, the all are the one. Uh, Brad Oldham uh, wrote a, a book called The Children of the Greys. He talked to the gray on the tall gray on the ship, and he asked him, what's your concept of God? Uh, the tall gray said to him, we are one with the one who is all. If you take a look at uh, spiritual writing, Edgar Cayce uh, talked about this oneness principle. The first lesson for the first six months should be one, 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 one. Oneness of God, oneness of man's uh, uh, relation, Oneness of force, oneness of time, oneness of purpose, oneness in every effort, oneness, oneness. Uh, we, of course, are, work the opposite way where it's us versus China, us versus Russia, us versus the Mexicans. Separation is the name of the game. And I think what the message that the beings are trying to put across is that the oneness thing will destroy the world. If you take a look at the way um, uh, things work 
very efficiently. If you take a look at um, Super Bowl model, the team that wins the Super Bowl is the one that works best like a beehive, where everybody does exactly what they're supposed to do, rather than the prima donna model, where a lot of people think if you've got the best players on your team, you're naturally going to win. Not true. If the players don't play together, if every prima donna wants to have the football and is not going to block and is going to not play defense and do all these kind of things, the whole thing falls apart. It's the ability to go into a huddle and everybody know exactly what their role is and what, what they're to do. In the prima donna model, you have people, and this is known especially in hockey, that if you get someone who doesn't want to be on the team and they don't want to play the game the way the coach tells them, they are considered to be poisoned. They are not even allowed in the dressing room. They are traded as fast as can be because that is like a poison on a team to have somebody who thinks that they're separate from everybody else, that they are more important than everybody else on the team, and they're not going to work together uh, with everybody else on the team. This even works in black ops. It works everywhere. In black ops, do they allow individuals to go and pass classified information because you think that, well, I can do what I want. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to go talk to, uh, I don't agree with this policy that you've got, and I'm going to go and tell the Russians how does spying work. What spying does is you go and you actually uh, go to the other side and you find the prima donna in that team, and you find the guy who doesn't want to play on the team. And you make a, a deal with him. He's the weak link in the chain. And you get him to come to your side. You get him to flip. You make him question uh, being on your team rather than on their team. And it's it's almost like the person breaks ranks. It's it's the finding the cancer cell in the other in the other body, and uh, somebody who's willing to sell out the hide. The military does exactly the same thing. It works as a oneness principle. Uh, everybody has their hair cut the same. They have all their hair cut off when they come in for training. Uh, there's no such thing as a prima donna. You, uh, if a general walks by, you salute the general. It's not like you can say, okay, I'm different. I'm not going to salute the general. Everybody wears the same uniform. All Everybody shines their shoes. Everybody marches in formation. An aircraft carrier. What happens if you get 5,000 people in an aircraft carrier where you got six guys who decide they're going to do what they want? They're going to go and talk to the Russians and Chinese, and I don't agree with what's going on here. It is considered to be treason. It's one of the few things you can be executed for, treason. And, and so you go to Snowden. How does Snowden look in terms of a guy who turned on his own country? Judas Iscariot decided he didn't need to be with the other 12 disciples. He was going to sell out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. This is the, the whole deal. It's the oneness, whether it's the disciples, whether it's an aircraft carrier, whether it's black ops. This oneness message is a key message that I think uh, we, we need to pay some attention to. And um, we have the one world government. I talked about that before. Uh, China has proposed UFO research at the UN. And uh, the U.S. tried to block that. Uh, we have had initiatives before where the government looks at this kind of thing. But it comes down to this competitive issue of, no, we're not going to work with all these other people. We want the technology ourselves. We want to be the only country that has it. And then we have a monopoly and we can call the, call the shots because we have the ultimate technology and we can basically rule the world. The ecology is another issue that um, the government, I don't think, uh, is going to be too uh, happy about in terms of uh, if it really becomes known that that is one of the big messages by the beings is that we're destroying the world. Uh, a lot of governments are not going to want to make that move and disrupt the economy to uh, completely shut down industries and move in the opposite direction. We have, uh, you can see that in the United States, it's a complete 50-50 move. One side would maybe go in this direction and the other side is determined to block it. So uh, that is one of the reasons, do you really want to handle this issue? Do you want to put it out on the table and then be forced to, to move on it when you know there's going to be a lot of opposition? The patents I mentioned before, there's a lot of people with patents. Uh, identifying crimes, uh, this has been brought up by a number of people that um, any sort of major disclosure is going to identify um, situations where Americans uh, were spied on, uh, where people were uh, perhaps with the Milab thing were actually... Uh, kidnapped and drugged and trying to get answers to what they were told by the intelligence. There's a lot of these kind of things that um, uh, they're not going to want to go there. And so uh, they're going to try to sweep this thing under the carpet. These are the oppositions inside the government that are going to try to block whatever disclosure people are hoping 
to get all the answers. Um, now, um, we can get into, I'll leave some of this stuff out. We have new um, nuclear weapons that have been um, put on the W76-2 variant of the Trident II sub submarine. Launched ballistic missiles have been put on the, the submarines, which may indicate why there's been so much interest in these these carrier groups by the, the UFOs. Um, the interdimensional aspect, and this is where we'll sort of try, try to shut this thing down. Um, one of the things that I've always maintained, well, I guess in the last 10 years I've started to make the move, that this may not be as ET as people think it is. I've actually had experiences that I've talked to, actually go back to talk to the beings and ask them, are you an ET? I don't think I've anybody, anyone's ever said yes. It's always no, we've always been from here, you're the visitor, uh, these kind of things. Um, and that would not be the way I'd best to describe me and stuff like that. And so the idea is, and you start to see this in some of the research that's going on, is this whole idea about this thing being interdimensional, which is really, if you're the government, do you really want to open this thing up because you don't have the answers, is the nature of reality. That maybe a vast majority of the stuff that we have, the materialistic paradigm, is totally out to lunch. That this is not true, and you're going to have a lot of disruption in terms of questioning uh, the basic scientific tenets of, of what's going on. I'll give you an example here and to show you that in people inside the government have been looking at this thing, but you probably haven't heard about it because it's not an issue um, that they really want on the table at this point or they're trying to figure it, they're still trying to figure it out. The one was um, um, Jim Penniston writes in his book, The uh, Rendlesham Enigma, talks about an encounter he had with Kit Green who came to get his DNA and his MRI. And uh, he was confronting Kid Green. What are you doing? Why are you here? Why do you need my stuff? What the, what, what the heck are you really doing? And um, according to, to quote Jim Penniston, the focus of what he, Kid Green, and the people he was working with, and the people he was working with, according to um, Jim Penniston, was, uh, they were doing a subcontract for the government, doing work for Bigelow Aerospace with a group of eight other scientists and medical professionals. And at least they were working on the experiencers which um, is, is a good thing that um, you're looking for the people who are interacting with the phenomena. And Kit Green and these eight other this group of eight are looking at the experiences as to what is different about these experiences, what messages are they being given, um, you know, how do you make contact with this intelligence, who is the intelligence. That's the way we need to go, which is, I think, the way we need to go rather than this thing about the threat. And um, so what, what he's... Um, to continue what Penniston said, uh, Kit Green seemed to want to obtain, and the, the group seemed to want to obtain and develop. How does this technology enter our reality and leave as easily as it entered? That indicates this whole thing about portal, this idea that, that they're popping in and they're popping out, which would indicate it's a little more complex than people think it is. Now, if you're the government and you're still trying to figure this out, are you willing to put this on the table? And describe this, this, uh, what you're working on, or are you going to try to figure it out before you put it on the table so you can get the technology? Because there's always going to be this fear about Russia and China and the Mexicans and whoever that are going to develop this and, and we need to develop this. We need to be in control of this. Um, he, again, Dr. Kid Green said to Jim Penniston, according to Penniston, this is not only about the Rendlesham incident itself, but also about other aspects of the phenomena that we have seen in other witnesses. And rather than propulsion, we want to understand exactly how the technology inter enables interdimensional travel, which indicates they are looking at interdimensional travel inside this, this contract that's being done for the government. They're actually looking at it. And that was, that was um, uh, mentioned by other high-level people. Dr. Ron Pandolfi is on camera actually talking about this. Uh, this would be a number of years ago where he said for thousands of years, people have speculated about what it's like to enter into the entrance to another world. Now we are on the cusp of a breakthrough where the door is about to open. And then he talks about his friend John, who's sitting right beside him. He said, John's next adventure to the desert. He will be joined by a couple of people sitting here, which will bring them in through the doorway into the next world, and then back. Now, if that's what they're working on, if that's the technology they have, it's a completely different ballgame. And that may be what this all this secrecy is about, 
is because we think it's very simple. There's just ETs from other planets visiting here. It appears it's much more complex. Brian Bender, who was political, he was one of the guys that put out the story on December the 16th, 2017, along with the uh, New York Times. He put out a story as well. Here's what he said, and I don't see anybody but me quoting this. He said, the Pentagon did a study that looked at the possibility that these things could be from here, but in a different here. They called it multidimensional travel. Are these things from somewhere else, but not that far away, but we can't see them? They are in a different reality. That's Brian Bender from Politico. Um, Green, this is again, go back to Green. Green said, then said, that he was researching a project about propulsion with these cases. We want to understand how does the technology enable the interdimensional travel, the focus to develop and obtain, how does this technology enter our reality and then leave just as easily as it entered. So this is basically what um, I think are some of the reasons. Um, the 64 article I'll put on my White House UFO um, blog site, which I'm sort of reviving again, and you can see the 64 reasons that I came up with 15 years ago. But just to end, I think the, uh, the disclosure initiative is much more complex than people think. Um, it's fine to say for us on the outside, put it on the table. It's another thing when your ox is the one that's going to get gored, when you're inside um, the, the government and it's you that's expected to put it out and you have patents on this on the line or research or fear or whatever. It's uh, much more complex. And so I think we have to have some empathy for what's going on. And yet we still have to try to force out the issue. But most importantly, we need to force out the issue of what are we actually dealing with? What is the message? Why are they here? And I maintain to close, the only way you're going to discover that is to actually talk to the people who are interacting with the phenomena. You cannot determine that by watching lights fly around in the sky. You can determine, yes, we're not alone. Something's going on. But it's not until you talk to the people who are interacting with the phenomena, you'll actually learn what's really going on. Thank you. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.